Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, Buddy C. I'd like to welcome everyone today. We've got Cindy and Kate and Lala and Marla and Kirsty and Tina, Rob, Paul, Craig. I don't think I missed anybody. Try to do the ladies first. Great chapter. I want to say one of my favorites, but they're all my favorites. This one, though, in my opinion, is talking about that love finds a way. It's all about the power of love. What was that, uh, Paul? Power of love. Huey Lewis in the news, right? Yeah, from Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, matter of fact, I had a girlfriend at the time that liked them, and I got to see Stevie Ray Vaughan. He was opening for them, so I took her to see Huey Lewis, and I saw Stevie Ray Vaughan. So <laughs> that was many years ago. Yeah, I've I've seen both of them actually. So yeah, yeah. The I power was, of love. I thought it was Jennifer Rush, was it not? Yeah, different song, Craig. I, I doubt either was. Love in the sense that we're talking about today, though. I just wonder no, why an aspect of do what, Craig? Just wondering why you were sending me YouTube videos of love songs. <laughs> yeah, I sent you the Huey Lewis one. Oh, good morning, Jan. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and read. Let's go ahead and read, Kate, and then we'll we'll get into our discussion on this. All right. First translation. Everyone under heaven says that my Tao is great and beyond compare. Because it is great, it seems different. If it were not different, it would have vanished long ago. I have three treasures which I hold and keep. The first is mercy. The second is economy. The third is daring not to be ahead of others. From mercy comes courage. From economy comes generosity. From humility comes leadership. Nowadays, men shun mercy, but try to be brave. They abandon economy, but try to be generous. They do not believe in humility, but always try to be first. This is certain death. Mercy brings victory in battle and strength in defense. It is the means by which heaven saves and guards. Second translation. Some say that my teaching is nonsense. Others call it lofty but impractical. But to those who have looked inside themselves, this nonsense makes perfect sense. And to those who put it into practice, this loftiness has roots that go deep. They have just three things to teach. Simplicity, patience, compassion. These three are your greatest treasures. Simple in actions and in thoughts you return to the source of being. Patient with both friends and enemies, you accord with the way things are. Compassionate towards yourself, you reconcile all beings in the world. Third translation, the world talks about honoring the Tao, but you can't tell it from their actions. Because it is thought of as great, the world makes light of it. It seems too easy for anyone to use. There are three jewels that I cherish, compassion, moderation, and humility. With compassion, you will be able to be brave. 
With moderation, you will be able to give to others. With humility, you will be able to become a great leader. To abandon compassion while seeking to be brave, or abandoning moderation while being benevolent, or abandoning humility while seeking to lead, will only lead to greater trouble. The compassionate warrior will be the winner, and if compassion is your defense, you will be secure. Compassion is the protector of heaven's salvation. Final translation. Everywhere I go, people tell me, Tao is so powerful, so immense, it's inconceivable. But it's only powerful because it's inconceivable. If we could wrap our minds around it, Tao would be just another thing. The three most important qualities in life are compassion, or showing kindness and mercy to others, moderation, or knowing what a thing is worth, and modesty, or knowing your place in the world. Courage stems from showing kindness and mercy to others. Generosity starts with knowing what a thing is worth. True leadership begins with knowing your place in the world. But these days I see everyone trying to act courageous without any trace of compassion. They try to be generous, but they don't practice moderation in their own lives. They act like leaders, but they have no sense of modesty. No good can come of this. If you want to get ahead, show people compassion. When other people attack you, defend yourself with compassion. It's the most powerful force in the universe. Do your thing, Marla. (laughs) Well, my favorite part of this is that last line, is defend yourself with compassion. Um, That's one part of it. But um, these are, I think this is a whole action verse. You know, live in moderation, be humble, and be compassionate towards others which is living in love. Like That's you said. what love is, isn't it? Yeah. Love is action. Showing mercy, but in, in moderation, not, not hoarding and giving to others and being available for, to, for others. And it's just an all around really, really good verse, really happy verse. Hey, Craig, will you read the uh, star translation of that? Do you have that book handy? Yeah, two seconds. Right. Just read it to everyone. There's something in there I want to bring out that's really good. Yeah, 67. So all the world takes all the world talks about my Tao with such familiarity. What folly! Tao is not something found at the marketplace or passed on from father to son. It's not something gained by knowing or lost by forgetting. If Tao were like this, it would have been lost and forgotten long ago. I have three treasures that I cherish and hold dear. The first is love. The second is moderation. The third is humility. With love, one is fearless. With moderation, one is abundant. With humility, one can fill the highest position. Now, if one is fearless but has no love, abundant and has no moderation, rises up but has no humility, surely he is doomed. Love vanquishes all attackers. It's impregnable in defense. When heaven wants to protect someone, does it send an army? No, it protects them with love. Wow. That's where I want to be in my recovery. If you look at where I was three years ago, I was in the exact opposite place of that. I wasn't loving. I was hating. I was full of resentment. Um, I was abundant financially, but that was that was eating away at me. That was like, I was like Gollum. 
I can't remember if I spoke about this earlier. I spoke to this last week with somebody. I was like gone. Every time I had something, I wanted more, and I, I didn't want. I was very possessive of everything. I didn't want to share it. What was mine was mine, and what was the house's was still mine as well. Even though <laughs> household income, that was still mine. I still class it as my income. Um, and love, the only person I loved was myself. I loved everybody else in the general, the general all round terms of you know. If I say my wife, I love you, then obviously I genuinely love it. Same with the kids, but it wasn't the same level as what it is now. And I think it's it's a different level now because I've got gratitude in my life. I'm grateful for everything I have, and I know exactly what I could lose if I started to slip back to my old ways of thinking, my old ways of being. Um, so I'll live in I'll live in chapter sixty seven. If that's all right with you guys. How about this uh, idea? In two, Mitchell says, some say that my teaching's nonsense. Others call it lofty and impractical. Talking about the Tao. Talking about what we're talking about here, love being a defense. But to those who have looked inside themselves, this nonsense makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's exactly just what I said. Because if it, I don't think if you've, if you've never been through what we've been through, if you've never had to do the soul searching that we've had to do, then I think sometimes some of this does sound a bit nonsensical. You think, does any of that make any sense? Or or as McDonald said, it seems too easy for anyone to use. This is just too simple. <laughs> <laughs> it's too simple that if I have a problem with alcohol, I get relief when I help someone else. That's just too simple. Hmm. I think for me... Um... What came out of this wasn't just love. I, for me, there was a thread of vulnerability going going through it. Um, because to get to any of these points, to be able to become humble, to be able to lose all of this, the the mass that we once um, wore, <clears throat> we need to be vulnerable. And actually, vulnerability vulnerability is an asset of great leaders um to love you have to be vulnerable to love properly wonder properly to love wholly you have to be vulnerable um and to be willing to give up and be happy without any of the outside trappings in life um you have to be quite steadfast in who you are and be your authentic self. And to do that, you have to be incredibly vulnerable because a lot of of people in addiction, that gave us the outside shell that we thought would protect us from any hurt or from any hurt that's happened or anything that could happen to us in terms of rejection, or anything else really so for me the path to loving wholly is to have a certain amount of vulnerability in our lives does love not make us vulnerable Kirsty? it does doesn't it uh, no i think it's the other way around i think to love wholly we need to be vulnerable first exactly it's the chicken or the egg right mm-hmm. okay that's that's where i'm going i want to read y'all or someone else got a comment first you got something, Cindy? Go ahead. Yeah, I'm super quick. I was just really struck when I read it about the very beginning 
where it says if it were different, it would have vanished long ago. And it just struck me in two ways. I had this professor who used to say, like, you think Elvis is like the greatest thing ever and no one will ever forget who Elvis is, right? But 100 years from now, they will. A generation, it will be lost. And in recovery, we always talk about, will it be important 10 years from now? And so to me, it sort of set the stage for the rest of it of look at what is long lasting, look at what is important. And these are all the things that are really important. And the rest of it is really just bullshit. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Cindy. I want to read y'all something. This is taking the steps, which are suggestive only, and replacing higher power or God of our understanding with the word love and see how it changes that. See if you get a different perspective on the work of love in our life. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol. Our lives had become unmanageable. Came to believe that love could restore us to sanity. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of love as we understood love. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Admitted to love to ourselves, and to another uh, another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Now listen to this one. We're entirely ready to have love remove all these defects of character. Humbly ask love to remove our shortcomings. Made a list of all persons we had harmed, became willing to make amends to them all. Made direct amends. Continued to take personal inventory. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with love as we understand love. Praying only for the knowledge of love's will for our life and the power to carry that out. Having had a spiritual awakening, if we did that, yeah, we'd definitely have a spiritual awakening. And practice this in everything, in all of our affairs. I hope that's, does that speak to y'all? That does to me. It does to me. Um, I'm going to be controversial and I'm going to say I prefer that. Yeah, yeah. That if, if that had been read to me at my any of my meetings that I'd gone to, um, I think I think I wouldn't have been so... Uh, <laughs> um, You'd have found another reason. Cynical. <laughs> Sorry. There's no shit. There's no shit all over yourself. There's no word choice that would make any of us get there any faster than we do. We'd be like, no, I don't like that word. I would prefer it than that. Yeah. No, you just weren't miserable enough yet, Kirsten. <laughs> any other comments, guys? I'm looking. I see everyone muted, so I'm moving forward. Um, I like this idea. Star talked about love and moderation and humility versus uh, compassion and moderation or frugality, I think, was one, or mercy and economy. And what I got to thinking about was the fact that, you know, he says, um, with love, one is fearless. And the opposite of love is what? Fear. So if one is... With love, we have no fear. With moderation, we have abundance. With humility, we have a high position. You see the the paradox in all three. So the question for me is, 
like what Kirsty was asking, uh, am I generous because I'm, I'm moderate about stuff because I'm wise with my money spending or am I wise with my money spending because I'm generous? <laughs> you know, which is it? I think it's both. I think love is the action that brings that about in our life. It's all one big thing, you know, acting our way into right thinking. You know, when we, we've talked about uh, with forgiveness, you know, we forgive as we are forgiven. You know, we love others the way we want to be loved. So, and I think that's what this is telling us is this is all just aspects of love. The moderation is an aspect of love. The humility I mean, if we know everything, if we don't know everything's a gift, which comes from love in my life, knowing that love is given to me, then I cannot be humble because I think I'm the one that's making this happen if love's not present in my life. So I think all of this originates from love. And they're saying that if you, if you try to do these things without love, then it leads to death, that we're doomed that we're doomed. How about this idea of love vanquishing all attackers, uh, all attackers, an impregnable force? In, I want to read you something here. In the, um, in the Jonathan Star, where you can build your own translation, for that last phrase, it says that heaven arms us with love like our defense is love like we're armed with love like love is our weapon isn't that a song wasn't that a song what <laughs> uh, paul wasn't that what was that a pat benatar do you remember <laughs> well she did sex as a weapon oh no, never no, mind love is a battlefield. Love, that's it but, well, <laughs> thank you yeah yeah that's the one i'm thinking of thanks <laughs> but you know if we can look you know i used to think love was a weakness not a strength you know overcoming evil with good was just what i had to do because i couldn't fuck them over so i had to be you know that's the best i could do but it really wasn't the best right i mean that's how i used you know and that has changed with time to know wait a minute it really is the best thing I can do is overcome evil with good. That really is the best response. There's not a better one. Marla? Well, and isn't that um, just creating compassion and mercy? Yes. And, of course, humility is in there, too. It all, it's all part of the same package. It is. Heaven builds a wall around you by using love. Uh-huh. How about this thought in the Stephen Mitchell, compassionate toward yourself, you reconcile all beings in the world. Compassionate toward yourself. When we love ourselves, let go of guilt, would that not be part of defending ourselves with love? Mm-hmm. For, for me, that was a hard, um, a hard concept to embrace. But I'm slowly chiseling away at that and feeling self-compassion and feeling a little bit of self-love. It feels weird to feel self-love. It really does. 
but I've, I've like in recovery gotten, gotten rid of guilt and shame for the most part. Um, and I think for me, that comes Marla for me, loving other people. I used to love no, no one. Craig said he knew what love was. I had no idea what love. I knew how to be nice to people and I knew to take care of my family. And I, I think I love them, but, a lot of my love, even toward my family, was anticipating something in return. Yeah. Yeah. So that really wasn't this level of uh, love. Kate? I think um, for me, the, the more that I work with other people on their issues and I'm working with them and saying, you know, you, know, you did this bad thing but that isn't you. That's just something you did. I still love you. You should love yourself. The more that's, that's working into me, like, wait, I did these bad things, but that isn't me. Those are just things I did. You know, so I'm working with them on loving themselves, but that's still seeping into me. Wait, I should love myself too. So being compassionate to them and working with them on on their stuff is in return working on me at the same time. Yes. Thank you, Kate. That is a perfect example. When we you know, we think of the word defend, we think we're fighting or pushing or, you know, attacking in some way, right? That we're block you know, we're you know, doing something to defend, like we think of a defense. I think in this situation, how would we actually defend with love? It would be the way that Kate is talking about. When you're working with someone, Kate, you're actually defending yourself with love because love is an action. Um, When I feel love, I'm really feeling some other aspect of that, the the love itself for me is an action like the fruit of the spirit, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such. There is no law because there's no law needed if you're doing those things. But the fruit of the spirit, I think, is love and it's seen as joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. That's from uh, Galatians 5, 23. It's seen as all these other things, but the real fruit of the Spirit's love, just like what we're talking about, you know. Uh, the defense is that action of, that selfless action, that action of kindness toward another person with no, not looking for anything in return, for me, that is, uh, that is love. And what I get in return is joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, all those things. So that's my defense. So when I feel attacked, I don't need a defense unless I feel I'm being attacked, right? So if I feel I'm being attacked and I need to defend, what do I do? I go love somebody. Pretty simple. What did he say? It seems too easy for anyone to use. (laughs) Paul? 
That's like gratitude, right? I mean, I find yeah. I find a lot of uh, love and gratitude is all kind of wrapped up for me in the same thing. It's all aspects of love, Paul. Because what you're doing with gratitude is you're saying thank you. Is what you're saying. You're acknowledging that you're not in charge. Yeah, are we generous because we're moderate or are we moderate because we're generous? Are we happy because we love people or do we love people and it makes us happy? Yes. (laughs) Uh, I guess the question I would need to ask, and you were talking about that vulnerability, Kirsty. It definitely makes me vulnerable when I have to love, when I love, when I have to love, when I love someone, there's always an aspect of vulnerability there. Almost every time, especially if it's some kind of a, a situation where I have to choose to love instead of choose to attack or, or choose to defend or, or choose to be right. You know, there's usually a vulnerability there. I mean, almost any time with my wife, it starts with a, you know, I, maybe I shouldn't have said that, or maybe, you know, some, some little apology of some kind. A lot of times it starts with something like that. I mean, some amend, small amend to make, you know? And then, you know, being honest is a lot of that. Am I missing something with that as far as the defense goes? Or that just sounds way too easy. Compassionate warrior, how would we do that? Yeah, I think it's maybe being aware, bringing awareness to that, to that part. In other words, you, this is your strive to be compassionate. It's not, um, it's an, it's a practice. It's an active practice. It's not something that just comes up when it comes up. You bring awareness to it, to it in all situations. And the thing is, the only time that we can really work on that is when we're being attacked, right? Usually, but I think almost every opportunity gives you the op- every every situation gives you the opportunity to be compassionate. Not yeah. just things you would think of, but the little things throughout the day. I I can see that. In this last uh, translation, he says, "Courage stems from showing kindness and mercy to others. The courage comes from our action, right? Again, acting our way into right thinking." When you, if you want to get ahead, show people compassion when other people attack you. Kirsty, I think um, showing people compassion when they attack you, um, I think there's an element in there where if you feel like you're being attacked, the compassion comes from knowing that it probably doesn't come from a place of um, I hate you or I'm ashamed of you. If, if say, for example, it's a family member or um, it, compassion is, is, is knowing that it probably isn't about you. It's about where they're at. It's about what they're bringing with them that day or through their past. You know, in, in, in seeing my mother for who she really is, and being grateful and being able to love her, I've had to be compassionate for her history, for what she's gone through. Um, and now, if 
say, for example, she makes a comment or seemingly attacks me, I have to view that with compassion to be able to still love her, like truly love her, because she's, you know, she's been through her own stuff. And I think that's the case for a lot of people that go, you know, it's only really out there, the true psychopaths that can, you know, attack people without reason or without thought or without emotion. Um, there are, that is, you know, there are maybe, you know, a handful in society. Anybody else who attacks someone is doing it from a place of hurt themselves. And, and the term compassionate warrior is to almost, for me, is to have that compassion switched on at all times. It's not necessarily doing it um, with purpose and going everybody, you know, going around everybody being compassionate, you know, with a sign above your head, I am compassionate. It's just having that switched on wherever you go in the day so that you can see compassion and you can you know you can see see when you need to be compassionate and just naturally be that way um yeah because i think compassionate warrior does tend to have a leaning towards i don't know warrior for me seems you know says fighter <laughs> and i don't i'm not sure that's that's necessarily what what they actually mean maybe more of just be compassionate yeah. being instead of fighting there's no fighting element to it you know yeah that's good Kirsty. thank you yeah craig i see you put in the in the text uh stop projecting our emotions on everyone else yeah that's definitely not defending with love and loving our neighbor as ourselves. yeah that's right rob agreed it's not necessarily easy but or what is it uh it's simple but not easy. Isn't that right, Jan? That, I think that's what they say, like digging a ditch. Simple but not easy. Let's move on to uh, Wayne Dyer if we don't have any other comments. Oh, Tina's got something. Um, oh. You know, um, I agree with Kirsty about the word warrior until I went through um, breast cancer. And I, it was thrown around so much. You know, you're a warrior. You know, and, I, in, and plus being Native American... There's all these different meanings for warrior, but um, <laughs> in this essence, they're taught to me. It means just passionate. You know, I can look at it that way, like just passionately doing something, whether it's defending. Um, but yeah, there was a lot here, and I think what for me, what this um, comes down to, and it's about if I can constantly say when I'm judging people, it's out of fear. So if I'm judging someone, I always know that's a red flag. That means what am I afraid of? What am I um, trying to push down? What am I not, you know, what's going on with me? And I have to get that down pat. So that way my automatic response when other people are judging is compassion for them because, oh, they're just judging out of fear. And it's, I have to go that I have to do those steps because I can't just say, Oh, there, there must be something wrong with them. It's not me. It has to start with me. So then I can fully understand that when I judge someone it's because I'm afraid. 
And so, um, because I was just sitting here thinking, how do you get to that automatic response? And I've gotten to that response before when somebody's so angry, I just, my heart fills with compassion because I'm like, oh gosh, you know, they're in real turmoil. They're in a tough spot. And, and I think, how do I, what got me there? And it's by realizing it in me and seeing it in me on a constant basis that that's why anytime that I'm angry, you know, and I talk about it in here or at my meetings, I'm like, I know there's something going on with me, but I'm just really hating Brene Brown right now, you know, when I came in with that. And I know it's not her, you know, I know it's not the person. Because and on moments when I'm great, like, I was like, all right, let's give her another shot. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm still hearing that tinge of whatever I have, but... It's funny how I can listen to something one day and then the next day and be like, fine. And it's all to do with me. It really has everything to do with us. And and, and then the even bigger thing is when you replace love with um, a higher power of our understanding. And this is really hard for me to admit, too, but I think I'm still at this phase where I don't even know what real love is. I mean, I think I do. I think I have an idea, you know, of course, my children and my husband, but I'm still at a stage where I don't even know what that what that really means. And it used to be disheartening to me because I'm like, how do I not grasp the first things you say when you're a little, I love you, you know, like you're supposed to know what that means. But um, and that's OK, because it's exactly where I'm at. But I have to say that and I have to talk about it out loud so that I can get to a better understanding, because if I don't talk about it and just keep on pretending like, oh, yeah, I can define love. Well, Valentine's Day is coming up. Just grab any card. It'll tell you what love is. <laughs> I mean, Tina Turner can tell you what love is or, you know, any of the songs. Or, but I, don't know, but I don't, I don't quite. To me, it's I've, a, yeah. I've been there too. It's okay. I've been there too. Me too. I don't, I don't understand it either. Let me read you something else. I apologize, guys. I'm reading a lot of Bible today. Love is patient and kind, not jealous, does not brag. It's not proud, not rude, not selfish, does not get upset with others, does not count up wrongs that have been done, takes no pleasure in evil, but rejoices over truth, patiently accepts all things always trusts, always hopes, and always endures. But, you know, that's that's like the Tao. It's just describing love. It's not really saying this is love. It's saying, if you see love, this is what it's going to be like. You know, just like the Tao does the same thing, you know. And that stands to reason if this higher power we're talking about is love, it's going to be very difficult to explain very difficult, I mean, you know, very difficult to describe even. So the most we could probably ever describe is a shadow of what's really there. You know, you see a shadow and you see part of it, but you can't really see the, you know, really what it is. You can't really describe it. It's very faint. And that's kind of what I think about about love. But I know for me, it starts with me thinking of you instead of me. You know, it, it's what... It goes back to that, what can I do for you, you know? It goes back to that. So I'm there with you, Tina, and I, th- I think that's part of this whole 
this whole waking up process that we have. You ready, Marla, for uh, Wayne Dyer? I think Rob had. uh, Oh, Rob did. Okay, I'm sorry. Had an insight. Go ahead, Rob. Oh, I I don't have insights. (laughs) Fresh into this, so I think the the battlefield and the warrior for me, and this this is all new, Fox. It's like I've got this eureka moment. You guys already all came two years ago. I've got 55 years of selfishness, and it's all about me. And you just did this to me, and oh boy, stand back. I'm getting on the back of my heels, get ready for the punch. And the battle is a constant flipping it around. It's not about me. It just is. And to what Christy was saying, it's me putting myself in their shoes and trying to understand and be compassionate and try to see where they're coming from and, and love them. That's a battle. It's like trying to change the course of the Mississippi River. I've got all of those tracks in that dirt doing it the old way, the ego and myself, and it's all about me. And the battle every day of of trying to turn that off and go the new direction and and, and, and try to love. Yeah. I think that's a lot what um, I was thinking about what Kirsty was saying about her mom. And... um, for me, when I realized that my parents were people too and had a past and they're just victims of their own past, that's when I started to forgive. And once I started with them, other people started falling into place. You know, like I started to forgive my sister for being such a bitch and I started to forgive friends and people who I thought wronged me. But it started with my first gods, my parents, and realizing with compassion that they're, they're human too. They, you know, they have their own shit to deal with. They just foisted it on us, you know, but anyways. Thanks, Marla. That's good. Hey, Rob, also in your situation, you know, if you can just narrow that down to the moment, that's all you have to deal with is what's in front of you right now. You know, that helps so much for me. Uh, in, in my selfishness, not thinking about the whole thing, but just what I had in the moment, you know, what I had to do right now. And uh, that helped me to, to be able to start looking at those areas of my life of selfishness yeah. and, you know, letting things wait till tomorrow that came up for tomorrow, you know, and just handling what's in front of me. Marla, you ready? Yeah. I'll share the screen. In, in just a response to Kirsty, my sister and I are just starting to have a decent relationship. All right. Um, I'm not going to read the whole 67th verse. The second paragraph is, um, I have three treasures which I hold fast and watch closely. The first is mercy. The second is frugality. The third is humility. From mercy comes courage. From frugality comes generosity. From humility comes leadership. Now, if one were bold but had no mercy, if one were broad but were not frugal, if one went ahead without humility, one would die. Love vanquishes all attackers. It is impregnable in defense. When heaven wants to protect someone, does it send an army? No, it protects him with love. Living by, three, living by the three treasures. 
Mercy is the name used here for the first treasure, but additional terms such as compassion, good-heartedness, love, kindness, and charity have been employed in other translations. You've very likely been weaned on a model of achievement that's measured by accumulation, accomplishment, and the acquisition of power and influence over others, right? Successful people are usually considered to be narrowly focused on their own goals, oblivious to anything but getting to the top, and ruthless in preventing anyone else from getting what they're after. Lao Tzu, however, says that the first and most important treasure is what true courage stems from, not from a heartless and callous attitude. He even tells you that boldness without mercy is a prescription for death. So you're encouraged to think of others first by being willing to serve and exhibit kindness and love, even towards your enemies, instead of seeking external indicators to prove that you're successful, which is, you know, what we've been saying all along. Mercy, compassion, and kindness are all attributes of God and the Tao. Lao Tzu saw this truth many centuries before Shakespeare did, blah, 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 blah. The second treasure is frugality, or what was referred to in other translations as economy, moderation, thrift, or simplicity. Now, frugality and moderation don't generally spring to mind when those at the pinnacle of achievement are described. However, according to Lao Tzu, being satisfied with less rather than more results in great generosity. So being willing to take only what you need and don't accumulate or hoard The less attached you are to your stuff, that's the key, the easier it is to be generous. The more you cling to it, the more you feel you need, and the less concerned you are with the well and the less concerned you are with the welfare of others. The third treasure necessary for a successful life is humility, which other translations refer to as not presuming to be above nature daring not to be ahead of others, and not always trying to be number one. From this quality, Lao Tzu reminds us, comes true leadership that radiates Tao energy. So when you change the way you think about enlightened leadership, you can discover what genuinely successful 67th verse people have learned before you. That is, that we are all instruments for Tao or God or whatever you call the energy that writes the books delivers the speeches, makes the life-saving discoveries, and so on. Humility is akin to surrendering to a force greater than your ego, giving credit to that source, and being grateful for any wisdom and influence that's given to you by that power. Be humble, stay low, and be a generous, grateful leader. Living in harmony with the myriad manifestations of the Tao. The key to living in harmony is compassion and mercy. Extend mercy and compassion toward every form of life, including yourself. When you radiate love and respect for all, you'll be aligned with the devil, which will protect you as if you were a baby in the arms of a loving mother. There's nothing more to say. We can finish. We can be done. This is it. (laughs) That's good, Marla. Thank you. Thank you. I wish I wrote it. I wish I had written this, but I can certainly try and live by it. Any comments, guys? Anything before we – oh, you got something, Kirsty? Okay. Yeah, and it, it was just – I'm just going to look 
of what it it was the bit about being attached to your um stuff oh yeah um, makes you be less generous oh yes less con- you're less concerned with the welfare of others so so i mean this is a fa- it's a fairly you know it, it's a small example but um my husband and i are just clearing out stuff after christmas the kids get a load of shit and we clear out the shit they haven't used and and also you know i i well i'm trying to get rid of a couple of sofas that we don't use and i my husband he literally goes through everything that i want to either bin or give away and to him he can't let things go he cannot let things go and i'm like saying but, but we don't use this we don't use this sofa you know I, I don't need money for this sofa why don't i just post it somewhere and say look if you're having a hard time if you're setting up after you know i'll put it up at a recovery center and say if you want this sofa as long as you can come and get it it's yours for free and his attachment to these things for whatever reason stops him from seeing the benefit they could have to other people and and i i don't understand that because for me i will happily give things away that yes it was our first sofa yes we have the memories but it's yeah it's it's stopping it it's stopping just the being able to give it to someone who needs it more than we do um and i yeah and i'm trying to get him used to the fact that that's how how you know how it's going to be because it will be like that He'll come home one day and it won't be there. Defend with love, Kirsty. I heard that somewhere today. No, defend with Kirsty. Defend with love. <laughs> Don't attack with love, Kirsty. Defend with love. <laughs> oh, Cindy. Oh. I think it's I think it's scarcity versus abundance. I mean, that's what it was for me is that I was taught that you get your stuff and you hold on to it and sharing. It was not sharing, sharing things was like power, giving money, sharing. It was power. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so when I married my husband, my husband is like, he's just a big ball of love. He'll give everybody everything. And it stressed me out. It was like, dude, stop giving her shit away. Like, wait. And it's funny, like things happen in our lives. Like when I was first getting sober and both of our cars broke in one week, somebody gave us a car that they had that was extra to use for over a year. And that blew my mind because that was not my experience that people would give you something because you needed it with no strings attached. And so I think when you experience it, then you're like, oh, this is how this works. This is what this feels like. And then you start to, to give back, at least for me, that's how it worked. But I think sometimes if you don't have any experience with, with what that feels like and what that looks like in action, it's hard to do. You know, I've experienced the same thing, Cindy. Uh, when I remarried, all of a sudden someone else had a say on how I spent my money. And yeah, imagine that, you know, and she looked at what I gave, and she said, why are you giving this money? You don't need to be doing that. 
And I'm like, wait a minute. You know, I tried to explain. She didn't understand. So I negotiated how much I could give. And uh, so I, I lowered the amount I gave, and we put a seal. I said, okay, when I bring in X number of dollars, I want to give this much. Is that okay? And she said, yeah, if you bring in this, you can give that. So I had to negotiate how much I could give my wife. And, yeah. well, he, and it he, works. Yeah. It worked. You know, and driving, which. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so much that uh, when you have another person involved in your life like that, that you have to take them into consideration. And their their opinion is just as valuable as yours, whether you think it's right or not. You know, and so I'm having to love my wife into letting me give more. But she's of the opinion that you give when you have, after you've paid everything you could possibly pay, saved everything you could possibly save, if you've got anything left, then you give. So our attitude has been since we we don't do the complete program. I'd be lying if I said we did, but but we we read and listened to some of the Dave Ramsey stuff. And the thing that stuck with me the most was that it's not my money, it's God's money and I get to manage it. And so from that moment on, it's like it comes off the top. What we give comes off the top. It's not even mine. And that is huge for me because it was, if I have something left over, you can have it. And it's funny. Like, I know you're not supposed to give in order to get, I know that's not the principle, but I have found that the more that you give, the more that you get, like, it's not always, it's not a dollar for dollar. It's not a thing for thing. It's, it's, you get back, you know, the universe gives back to you. I agree. I agree. And it's, uh, it's all part of, (laughs) learning how to be generous, you know, like, like this whole chapter's about generous with others and generous with those that are near us, you know, that we, uh, that we have to take their uh, opinions into consideration too. Just because we're right doesn't mean we can always do what we think we want to do, you know? Yes, I'll say this and I'll shut up. I, for me, this week has been lots of introspection, more than even normal. And like, I realized that I have this woman in my life who, like, when I say she's just a ball full of love, like she actually prays to not even think bad things about people. You know, for me, it's a goal to not let it come out my mouth. So for me to be around somebody who is like, no, I don't even want to think it. I think, wow, that's a whole nother level to just get to a point where when you see someone, you don't think, wow, did you really think about it before you wore that? You know, I mean, so <laughs> sorry, it's how I was raised. <laughs> it's just it's what happens up there. So it, it's like this, this, it's this gift from her without her even knowing that she's giving it because she gives her time and she gives her love and she gives her presence without any intention like she's not trying to positively impact me she's just there <laughs> did I really make you laugh that hard <laughs> so it's just and and so this morning right like I'm gonna go see her this morning and buddy you said did I realize I made an amends to my grandmother I did not realize till I sat down to journal this morning that my grandmother died on this day wow this is the day so in the very same week that that happened, I was able to go and and just do it in a different way. And it was just it's amazing. And that wasn't my intent, but it's beautiful. Exactly. It was just a gift. 
by loving. It was yeah. part of that reciprocal gift of love, that defense, really, of love, because that's healing your relationship that was hurt from, you know, your uh, addiction with your grandmother. You know, and this is helping to heal that relationship because you've talked yeah. about that before, you know, that, you know, you weren't there for her and you, you felt bad about that, you know, and this is a way that you can amend that is by, uh, by being there for this lady. Yeah. The, the interesting thing is it wasn't because of my addiction. I was 12 years old and I thought it was more important to wash my hair and take a shower and look good than to go to the hospital. Okay. At that time it was, it was, and I there was still something though that you, that you felt guilty about though. It's something you felt guilty about. For a long time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good. So that, but that's just the way it works. When we start loving, things just work out far, so far beyond what we can understand or control. That's just unbelievable. Yes. So I, I lied. I'll say one more thing. I, I have realized this week that I, so I have this woman and, and two other women in my covenant group and they mother me. So, so my own mother may not be capable of mothering me. And that's the conclusion I've come to. She's just not capable, but, but God has placed in my life, these three women who are 60, 70 and 80 who mother me in a stronger, better way than I could have imagined to ask for. Amazing. And that's just by me showing up and being willing to go and sit in a room with three other women every Thursday at 10 a.m. And, and answer 10 questions about whether or not I'm trying to be a better person. And that is not something I would have done before, but I felt like I should, not like I should, but I just felt called to do it. And, and it's, it's been amazing. We just do not know where these things are going to lead us. Yeah, Cindy, you got vulnerable, didn't you? Yeah. Look what happened. I, I, I did. And, and so Billy is this woman who like, I'm not a hugger. Like, that's just not my thing. I, I keep very, and she is, and she just forces me into the hug in a, in a, you know, respectful way. But she's like, I haven't hugged anybody today and I need a hug. So you're going to give me one, you know, and it's, and it's a very cute, loving, adorable, you know, elderly woman way. And it's gotten to me to the point that when I went to see her yesterday morning, I was like, well, I'm going to give you a hug before I go. Because I just felt like, you know, it, that was the thing to do, and that's not something I would have done before. Thanks, Cindy. Anyone else before we close? Are we all good? We are all good. Well, I'm Let's good. go defend with love today. If I don't see you guys before, I will see you hopefully next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.